Well, happy Father's Day. I hope you have already felt honored and appreciated this morning. We all know that Mother's Day and Father's Day are pretty different, right? Flower sales and cards are way down and restaurants are half filled and it's not because of COVID. Uh, both are great days to honor moms and dads. They're just different. I think I've probably mentioned this before, but like my kids, fav one of their favorite holidays is Father's Day but it actually doesn't have anything to do with me. It's just because the menu that we usually have at my house, uh, Sue goes all out to make what I really enjoy, which is steak and seafood, and they just can't wait. And somehow Father's Day ends up costing me uh, an arm and a leg, and I have to jokingly remind my kids that you do remember, like, this is about me, right? See, this week, uh, as I was wrestling with what I wanted to share briefly with you before we go into our panel of dads. I was really just wrestling and struggling with what I wanted to share with you. Uh, so because I need to keep this short, I just, I just wanna give you just a short passage, give you some encouragement, and then we're gonna spend some time talking about fatherhood. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis 1, 27. And this is what scripture says. You might be familiar with this passage. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now notice that God created both man and woman in his image, which brings incredible and equal value to both men and women, which is another conversation for another time. But since it's Father's Day, I wanna focus on us as fathers being image bearers of God the Father to our families. And here's the one major question I want to ask you. What is your family believing about God, their heavenly Father, because of you, their earthly Father? Because we bear His image. Do they feel love or do they feel fear and retribution? Do they consistently experience grace and mercy or do they consistently feel the law? and consequences? Do they feel your support and attention? Or do they feel your distance and your disconnectedness because you're so tired or traveling? How you treat and honor your wife goes a long way to what your children will understand about the value of women, that they're not subservient but of equal value. See, because we're made in the image of God, we bear His attributes and we're shaping our children's theology of God. And I really want you and hope that you will feel the weight of that responsibility. And see, when you do, it should tr truly cause you to reflect and begin to ask some questions and maybe even repent in areas that you might need to repent in and humble yourself and ask for forgiveness and then set a new course that's gonna point you in a direction that's gonna have a more accurate picture of God. Now dads, I want you to listen to me. Your, your kids desperately need to know that God loves and adores them. And one of the biggest ways you can do that is by you expressing love to them, you letting them know that you're proud of them, telling them what you think that they're good at. They need to hear that from you as a dad. See, we see this with Jesus when God the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You can hear the father saying, listen to my son, he's really good. See, your words and actions as a father 
are a significant contributor to their identity and worth. Their emotional and relational health is often influenced by how you love and lead them or not. But see, if all they ever see is a father is just a provider and a disciplinarian, even though those are accurate characteristics of God, it's a limited perspective and understanding. You don't leave the, the feelings or the emotional stuff just up to your wife. You engage, you connect with them because that's who God is, and we can't and won't ever do it perfectly because we're not God. We're broken vessels. However, because of what Christ did for us on the cross, he gives you and I the strength, and he gives us his attributes, and he gives us the fruit of the Spirit to lavish on our families. But I'm telling you, it's gonna take incredible humility and intentionality for you to live this out. Let me just give you a couple quick stories, and then we're gonna jump to the panel. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, uh, it was a situation with my daughter when she was a, a young teenager, and she was wrestling through some things, and we were having uh, some difficulties. And God brought the story of the prodigal son to the forefront of my mind. And I remember the, the dad in the story is running out to the son who has now come back after living, a, just wasting his inheritance. And the father picks up his garments and runs, which would have been really uh, an act of uh, almost shame on his part in order to go out to see his son who's finally coming back. And I, and I, in that moment, God was telling me, because I think my posture would have probably been one of folding my, my arms and just saying, I, you know, I hope you learned your lesson this time. But yet the father didn't do that with me when I made tons of really bad decisions. And so why was I holding back from really treating my daughter in that moment like the Father, God the Father, had treated me, and we see in the story that the Father treated the Son. And in that moment, God was really clear, Bob, you are shaping your daughter's theology of me. You're shaping your daughter's understanding of me by the way that you're fathering her. And it broke me because I, in my pain, in my sadness, in my disappointment, I was really struggling and I wasn't loving her well. And it had to change with me. It wasn't about dismissing her choices and decisions. It was about learning to be gracious and loving and caring towards my kids. And, and being able to show the Father's love and heart for them, just as the Father had done for me. You know, I think of another story with um, my son Bryce, who's now a student pastor in Idaho. And he was working through some stuff and had gone to uh, work through some things through counseling. And I'd encouraged him to, I said, man, this would be great for you to do this. And as he was processing and wrestling with the counselor, she brought up some things and, and he found himself continuing to try to defend how good of a dad I was to him. And I told him, I said, Bryce, you don't have to defend me. I know I did not do it all right. I know I did things or said things that had to have hurt you. And I don't want you to feel like you can't engage in that conversation at the expense of trying to protect me. You don't need to protect me. In fact, I wanna seek your forgiveness for the hurt and the pain that I've caused you. 
And going to each one of my kids and finding out, hey, is there anything that I've done that's created hurt? Because I wanna seek your forgiveness. I don't want things that I've done or said in the past to be stumbling blocks for you being able to move forward and grow in your relationship with the Lord. And I would just encourage you, dads, to have those same conversations, realizing that you are an image bearer of God the Father. And oftentimes, our ability or inability to connect with God the Father is because of often how we've interacted with our earthly fathers. And so we get the opportunity to help bridge that gap. So dads, listen to me. You can do this. You're, you're not a buffoon, you're not a mindless idiot like some TV shows try to depict dads to be, like a Homer Simpson and others. Listen to me. You are made in the image of God. Now, we just need to live and lead like it in our homes. Dads, happy Father's Day. Well, we're glad that you joined us and uh, happy Father's Day. And uh, it's a privilege for me to be able to have these guys on our staff uh, up here to be able to talk about being fathers. And we have a couple more dads on our staff that aren't here. One, because he's back there making sure all this stuff happens and you get to experience this, Andrew. And then Rod is on vacation. And so uh, I get to hang out with you four guys. I was going to have some comments, but I'll keep it nice. Hey, real quick, why don't you just mention, in case somebody doesn't know uh, who you are, but also I want you to mention your kids' names and their ages, because I think as we talk, I think it'll be important for them to understand uh, what you know what you are uh, doing as far as a father and the age that you're you're talking about. So, uh, Chad, why don't you go? Yeah. So I'm Chad Minchu, worship pastor here. I was just right there. Now I'm sitting here. Uh, I have a son, Aiden, and he is seven. My name is Terry Langenberg. I'm the executive pastor here at Life Church, and I have four children, uh, two daughters. Larissa is 34. Bridget is 32. I have two stepsons. Karis is 26, and Kenny is 22. You're really old, man. And it's good. Uh, Josh, what about you? I'm Josh Poteet. I'm a student pastor here, and I have a two-year-old daughter, and that's it. But she is enough. She have a She's name? More than enough. Her name is Lilla. Oh, there and you she go. She is awesome. Very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm Derek. Um, I have two beautiful daughters, Alexis and Alyssa, um, 18 and 23 years old. Awesome. And my kids are, uh, I don't even remember, I think it's 20, I should have thought about this before I asked you guys, I think 24, 25, so Bree, the one was up here uh, singing, and then Bryce is about 16 months younger than her, and, uh, and then Chase is 21. And then Seth is 18, so one daughter, three boys. Uh, so, well, here's, here's kind of, you know, one of the things we talked about, we talked about in the segment is this whole thing that really hit me hard, which is our fathering uh, really influences and shapes, doesn't necessarily determine, but it influences and shapes our kids' belief about their heavenly father. And so a lot of times I see when, when kids when even adults struggle with 
God. Oftentimes when you, when you kind of peel it back, you come back to their earthly dad, and, then, and there were some struggles or challenges there to, to see that. So for you, uh, as, you're, as you've been wrestling through this and feel the weight of that, because we kind of talked about that, and you guys all experienced it, feeling the weight of it, what have you experienced in this with your own kids? Maybe you realized it earlier than what I had, but um, what have you experienced in trying to shape your kids' really belief and understanding about God? What have you learned about it? I guess the oldest can go first. Um, for me, when we talk about an image bearer, um, I needed to know whose image I was bearing. Mm. And I got married young at 20. Uh, and so I didn't become born again until I was 28. And I didn't really know whose image I was bearing for, uh, well, eight years. Uh, I got divorced at 25. And, uh, and so when I became born again and my life turned towards Jesus, I began to feel the weight and the burden of, of being that image bearer. And so uh, I think for me, it was them, the girls getting to watch their dad uh, turn to Christ and become a new creation. And so they got to see a dad on one side of that. I was a prodigal. Uh, and then on the other side, they got to see a dad who really was working, not working, but because of grace, uh, because of his forgiveness, because of his mercy, I began to grow closer and closer to him, being sanctified. And so uh, they got to see a dad who was changing mm. along that way. And so uh, that's how I learned to become an image bearer. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll hear a lot of dads just feel like, you know, oh, well, you know, Maybe they blew the earlier years or whatever, but knowing that there's still opportunities to shape that and develop that is good. Which one of the other guys? Yeah, I think the neat part and the hard part at the same time is as we are image bearers of God, our children are often image bearers of us, at least initially. And so what they see in us, that's what they imitate. And so my daughter being a two-year-old, she is a mirror for me and my bride. And uh, so sometimes it's like, man, I can't believe she said that. That's so good. But at the same time, it's like, where did she learn that? Like, how did we teach her uh, that and then trying to tweak it? Because um, our children are watching us. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving an accurate reflection of my father because I know what it looks like when we don't. Uh, And so it's just there's a big burden and a weight for me. But at the same time, I need to use that not to, to feel guilty but as an opportunity to seek forgiveness or to say, man, that's, that's a cool victory and to keep moving closer and closer to that image that we're pursuing in Jesus. It's good, Josh. Yeah, I kind of agree with Josh in terms of, you know, our children are mirror images of us. Um, my dad died when I was nine years old. And so I knew of him and I had great memories, but then I heard all the great things that were said of him as a man. And growing up, I wanted to emulate those things and be a mirror reflection of that. But it was later in life that I kind of understood. I mean, that was good to honor my earthly father. But God revealed to me that that my heavenly father and his character is one that I should strive for even more than that. And so as I've been raising my girls, it is less about being like daddy, personal daddy, and being more like our heavenly father. So I've kind of tweaked it, but I do understand a mirror image. So I want my life to reflect that of our image bearer, Christ, who we are, who we are image bearers. bearers. And so uh, that's kind of how I've approached it in terms of my girls. Look at me, but also look through me to God. Yeah, kind of like what Paul said. If 
follow me as I follow Jesus, you know, exactly. type of thing. Yeah, imitate me. Yeah, I, um, it's hard not to look at Aiden and go, oh, that's me. <laughs> um, so I think Poor everybody kind of feels like yeah. that. Um, that's his heart. Yeah, no, poor kid. What a what a tough road ahead. But no, I, I think um, yeah, it really ties into that discipleship piece of just just like what you said, just right there with what Paul shared of just follow me while I follow Christ. Um, and I think specifically, just in communicating with him, not being afraid of questions has been a really big thing. Just making sure that whatever their uh, Whatever he asks, it's not too difficult. Uh, even if I don't know the answer, uh, it doesn't matter really what he's asking. It's all about, hey, let's try and find this answer together if I don't know it. And if I do, I want to share it with him. And then just meeting him where he's at. And, and I, think, I, I think for me personally, I felt this like <laughs> it's been just such an intense feeling of uh, really a balance how much do I let it be his own and how much do I push and guide and give? Because I know that I've seen that play out with me. It was, uh, my parents were pretty actually hands off. Uh, and then I went out and sought faith and I really went after it. And I, you know, I kind of attacked it. Like I really wanted to figure this thing out. And so I want that for him. But again, as we probably all can attest to, every single child is an individual, and so it's always going to be different. And so even though he's my spitting image, it doesn't mean he's going to actually play things out the way that I do. Yeah. yeah I, just, I just remember that, that that was such a huge, like, very humbling experience for me to, to really look at my, my own struggle and challenge in trying to navigate those waters with my kids, especially as they got older and they had more freedoms and choices and when they would make some unwise choices and how, how did I respond versus react. And, and just knowing that, you know, um, I could see that if I don't really get a hold of what, what the Lord is trying to say to me and deal with my own stuff, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to spill over uh, onto them. And just like what you said, there were so many times I would see my kids do something or say something. And I'm just like, hey, watch your mouth. Or what do you mean? Why can you say it? Like, you know, why'd you? And then I'm like, oh, they got that from me, right? But that, that, it looks so much uglier in them than, uh, than it obviously could have in, in me. But yeah, 100%. Um, but I'm just curious for you guys. What's one of your, what do you feel like as you reflect, and for some of you, you're on the early stages, uh, but what's one of the biggest challenges for you as a dad? Like, what, what have you seen to be one of the biggest challenges? Yeah, I think, uh, and this ties back to my own upbringing, um, we were a house full of yellers. And so one of the big things that came up for me as I first got married, so young, young and married, uh, we were like 21 and 19 when we got married and then younger having kids that translated. So me yelling, I, that's how we communicated, but it was also how discipline happened. It was also kind of how a lot of that stuff played out. So I witnessed that a lot. And unfortunately, especially right at the start, that's how I communicated. And so um, just yelling and being angry, overreacting in very small situations, 
The only time that it's even remotely comical is when I'm having to repair things. I just kind of like gripe and complain and yell to myself, sometimes to the whole house, but it was something that I really had to come to terms with because it was the way that it was also where it was shoved back in my face was number one, am I being kind and am I actually reacting to the situation appropriately? And then the part where it got really hard is I would make Aiden fearful Mm -hmm. because when something like that comes up, when I'm yelling and screaming at something that's not even really that, it didn't warrant that, he doesn't understand and it doesn't put him in a good position. And then that fear that I saw was something that was like, man, I've, this has got to be corrected. And so it's been a long continuing journey to try and wean that out. Mm. Um, and it, it's not always 100% right, and I still don't always get it right, and I have to go back. And I think the big change, though, and it was something that you shared, was it's so important for me to go back now and ask for forgiveness because that was the other side of the coin that I never saw. Um, and just making sure that he understands, like, hey, I, there was something that was done wrong, and you shouldn't have done it, but I also reacted wrong, and I need your forgiveness, yeah. and I want you to forgive me. Yeah. So That's good. What are you other guys? Yeah, I think for me, um, one of the challenges, very similar to Chad, is that I was a yeller as well. Um, before I became born again, uh, said some words that I probably shouldn't be saying, uh, drank a little too much, and and after becoming born again, just seeing the struggle of how biblically I didn't want to leave that example and how God was working on my heart about what was coming out of my mouth. And so uh, the girls got to see that transition uh, as far as an older dad with the boys uh, being present. Uh, I can be in the room, and uh, especially being in ministry, ministry's hard. We carry a lot of burdens for other people, and uh, I can be in the room, but am I really present? And, uh, and so I see some of my selfish tendencies to want to go inward and, and be in the room, but I'm not really with the boys or with the kids. And so um, I'm thankful that Monica was able to challenge me in that way. Uh, and so... Um, so yeah, I, I de- trying to defeat that selfish tendency of wanting to do what I want to do, but more being present with the boys and being in their lives. That's good. Yeah, I think uh, for me, one of the biggest challenges that I had, so I was uh, a lot of times the diaper changer of our family. Um, and so when Lilla was in diapers, I would change. The, when I, if I was home, that was my job. It's one of the few things that I was able to do as a guy, and so that was my job. And when I would get in front of doctors or nurses, I looked like the most incompetent diaper changer of all time. Like, it, like I was judged by these nurses. They thought I had never done it before. Like I got this like diaper stage fright. Um, so it, it was not good. But uh, the, the, the real challenge that I think that I, I had experienced up until this point, so my daughter's almost three. It's, okay, so how do I disciple a kid at this age? Um, like what am I supposed to do with someone who does not even know words. Uh, like, how am I supposed to do that? And so I, I think, uh, as I've been processing through it, one, I think it's a gift that we have so much time before they fully comprehend what we're doing. Uh, because that's time for me to practice and to prepare and to try to work through it. 
Um, and there's some other things. I, I think we're going to kind of talk through some of the logistics of it later on. And so I, I'll, I'll hold off on that. A little cliffhanger for everybody. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, as far as me, um, it's just a standard fare of being a parent, the ups and downs that I go through with my girls, you know, through the course of their life. But if I would say a challenging thing now for me is to realize that I have adult children now. Both of my kids are 18 and 23. And how do I trust God to continue to do the things in them uh, without me being the, the, the principal driver of that conversation? You know, when do I let them go and work out their own personal relationship with God while being overbearing in that? And so that's a challenge for me because I, I always want to jump in and put the God thing in their lives. Like, all right, what would God say about this? What would Jesus do? And I, I think I'm trying to learn how to give him, give them over to him uh, because he's a much better father than I can ever be. And so that's been the challenge as of late, just to kind of let them kind of experience their own relationship with God. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I think for me, there are numerous challenges. I think uh, one, just being aware that each one of them is different, you know? So just, you know, the way I would parent Bree was different than Bryce and Chase and Seth. And then of course she was a girl and, and just trying to, you know, help them navigate different things. So I think that was one is not, you know, it wasn't one size fits all and you just get to parent one way and it should be great for everyone. And uh, so that was a revelation. It, parenting, if marriage hadn't done it, parenting really exposed selfishness and immaturities. And, you know, and, and I think that that was, again, just a challenge of being a young dad trying to work through my own maturity, stresses of life, you know, being a pastor at a church, wrestling through those, you know, things with our, our church, our staff, that stuff, and then coming home and trying to be engaged and, and, and available. Because I think one of the things for me was I did not want my kids resenting God or the church because their daddy spent more time with everybody else trying to help them, right? And so I think really trying to be intentional and looking at what are ways that I can invest in them. Um, but it was, I mean, as I look back and as my kids tell tons of stories uh, and, and they get a good kick out of it and inside, I'm, thankfully I can laugh at myself, uh, but inside there's also a part of it that kills me because some of the things that they make jokes with me about or tease about are the things that I said or I did and I'm just, you know, and I'm just like, yep, I was an idiot, <laughs> you know, or I was, man, I wish I could have been more patient. I wish I had the patience that I have now, 25 years ago or 26 years ago or whatever it is. And, um, you know, because it's just, it's a, it's a big challenge. Jeff, were you going to say something? Yeah, I, I think one of the other important things in what you said, and it's kind of come to light in the context of where we, at, we are at as a world right now, and as society is, we have to give ourselves permission because we're changing too. Mm -hmm. Like we're growing as people. And so we're learning new things and we're understanding more about ourselves. And the more that we dive in, the more that we spend time with God, he's going to reveal stuff about what we're going through. So I've got to work through this stuff. Uh, and we talked about it a lot in men's fraternity, but you, you work through that stuff and then it exposes new things in you. And then I think it's just honestly one of the biggest things is dad is giving ourselves permission to change yeah. and giving ourselves that permission to grow in that stuff. Yeah. 
So I know this isn't one of the questions that I threw out, so I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. But when you think of personally working through your own dad stuff, right? Like, so you, you have a father um, and then navigating trying to be a dad to your kids, both positively or negatively, you know, it's, it, you know, this time is to really affirm and encourage fathers, but you know, what's been your biggest challenge as you've kind of wrestled through your own things with your own dad and trying to now parent your kid or kids? Um, what, what's been one thing that you've had to personally uh, just kind of navigate? Because I think the, the thing for each one of the dads out there, we're, we're, that's a common thing, right? And, and if you don't navigate through that stuff well, because I think so many times, I've said this before, it's like so many times, uh, you know, if, when guys talk about their fathers or whatever, and they feel like they had a really bad experience with their dad, and they're like, well, man, I'm doing better than my dad. I'm like, yeah, but your dad was a punk, you know? I mean, you don't want to, like, the bar, don't let the bar be this high and go, well, I'm doing better than him. Like, there should be, a, like, a desire to really, you know, be a great father. So just curious for you guys, what, what is something, as you've had to work through that personally, what, what's one thing, a habit, a discipline, something that you've had to to maybe in, even practice in your life to be able to overcome some of those things in order to uh, love your kids well? I'll go again. Uh, so my dad was a, an alcoholic. Uh, thankfully, God did a work in him, and he's now no longer an alcoholic. Hasn't been for 20-some years. Uh, but within that, I developed a, a low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, uh, read a lot of books, specifically the Bible, on how to deal with that. Uh, but what I understood about daughters is that they get their self-confidence from their dads. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I tried to at least pour into them uh, how much confidence I had in them and how much I was trying to help them build their confidence in themselves. Uh, Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm thankful that God uh, answered that prayer in them and uh, for my boys as well. And so, um, yeah, just uh, still dealing with that today, but um, God is good, and he's been uh, grace-filled for me, so. That's good, yeah, with my dad dying early, that was my biggest thing. I just wanted to be around like he died when I was nine, and I didn't. I just wanted to. I really wanted my kids. I, I every, when Alexis was born, she's six, five and a half years older than Alyssa. I just wanted to live till she was past nine years old. Mm. And that's crazy to think, but that was the goal. But also, I think about the different activities and sports and things that he didn't get to. You know, I get. I didn't get to experience. So I was in everything. I was a dance dad. I was the, the violin dad driving the violin lessons. I was the gymnastics dad. So I always wanted to be present in everything that my girls did and to support them. And that's because that was a hole, a void that I didn't have. And yeah. so that's been hard. Yeah. But I think I've weathered it pretty well. I've, I've learned to, you know, dance and other things that I probably wouldn't have done before. <laughs> you're, you're one of the best gymnasts I've ever seen yes. in my life. Oh, yeah, do a, a flip. Show us. You only knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's 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 kind of it was just filling that absentee void mm -hmm. that wasn't anything on his own. But, you know, so but I just felt like I had to make sure 
I was there for everything. So, yeah. I think for me, um, my dad was an incredible dad and is an incredible dad. Uh, I would compare him to like Mr. Matthews on Boy Meets World, like always there, always with, with solid advice. Um, but the one piece, and this is even true for Boy Meets World, is um, when it comes to modeling a relationship with Jesus, that's not something that I was able to see. And so for me, uh, there's a huge tension. Like I want to be available and I want to be that dad that my dad was. Uh, but I also need to learn how, how do I model my relationship with God in a way that my daughter can, can learn from that and see what a godly dad looks like and to grow in her own relationship where it's not reliant on me. And, but, but to be honest, I mean, my daughter's two, three years old and uh, like I'm building the plane while flying. So I'm, I'm mostly making this thing up as I go because uh, she didn't come out with a, a tutorial, which was a little bit of a bummer, Jesus. Thanks for that. But uh, we're, we're figuring it out. Yeah, I think, um, I think all dads can relate to that whole building it while flying it. It's just kind of how it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things for me that's been, I mean, really the most important is making sure that Aiden recognizes two important things. One, that I love him like more than anything and that I am incredibly proud of him. Both of those things incredibly important because for me, um, I, saw, I saw my dad show me those things, but I didn't hear it. I saw the way that his work ethic pushed him to work 36-hour shifts, come home, sleep for four hours, eat, and then go back out and work another 20-hour shift. Like I saw how he manifested caring for us as a family, but I never heard oh, like continually like, hey, I love you and I'm proud of you. And it wasn't until like right before he passed away that I actually heard that. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just another really incredibly important thing for me as a dad to, to instill from the time that Aiden was just, you know, I didn't even care if he understood it. He wasn't speaking words yet, but it was like, hey, I want you to know I love you and I'm proud of you. And I never wanted him to question that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we, first time I years ago, uh, went through men's fraternity and they said, that, you know, what your kid, especially your you know, son from a dad, but your daughters as well, but they need to hear three things from me. I love you, I'm proud of you, and this is, and you're good at, and then let him know that they just long for it. And I think that, you know, for me, always longing for my dad's approval, uh, always wanting to hear him say, I'm proud of you, and pretty much striving in every way, shape, or form to just to hear it. Um, and, and I remember, uh, you know, having to work through my own stuff because of, the, so when I didn't get it from my dad, then I looked to a coach and when I would, you know, then if after I was done playing ball, then I looked to it from my employer, right? Just constantly looking for that, you know, that, uh, that approval that you, that you long. And I remember uh, in college, I was, my dad and I got into an argument. It was the first time I ever really kind of talked back to my father, if you will. 
And I just, I, we were in this thing. I think he was like, you know, you should have $10,000 in the bank before you get married. I'm like, I'm going to be a youth, sorry, Josh, I'm going to be a youth pastor. Like, I don't know if I'll ever have, you know, and uh, especially- You're not wrong. <laughs> you know, back then. And, and, uh, and so, you know, my, and I told my dad, I said, dad, all I've ever wanted is to hear that you're proud of me. And he's like, well, of course I'm proud of you. I said, but you never say it, you know? And I remember struggling with workaholism because my dad, that was one of the great traits that he passed along. He was an incredible provider. He, he worked a ton of hours. However, he wasn't present. And so kind of what you were saying, Derek, I was gonna be at my kids, at, like if you looked at my schedule, my kids practice, I would try to either help coach or, but I was not gonna miss. And I remember every single time when my kids were a senior in high school, my travel schedule for, for sports went, that, went way down because I was not gonna miss their games senior year. And you know I missed out on a lot of opportunities, but I was not gonna live with regret because I had dismissed my kids' games or, or whatever for the expense of, for ministry, right? Um, but just again, I found myself having to overcome some of those things and then saying, okay, what did I really long for that now I can provide? And then challenge my own kids and say, man, I hope you do it better than me, right? Um, so what does intentional fathering look like in order to disciple your kids? So we're a church that's passionate about discipleship. So our, our statement, as you guys know, we're gonna make and send disciples who love and live like Jesus. And we'd say that parents are the primary disciple makers of their kids. And so what does, what does that look like for you? And maybe it's been changing as, as you understand what it looks like to be a disciple and make disciples, but what does intentional fathering look like as you disciple your kids? Yeah, I, I got a couple practical things that I do with Lilla. Um, again, she's two, and so there's only so much we can do, right? Um, like having her read the word right now, not really an option. Um, and so apparently Aiden was reading that too. I don't know. Of course he was. <laughs> he was reading at a junior high level. I defer my answer to Chad. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. After uh, you. It was a good thing Alyssa was there. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so we do, Jenny and I do a couple things uh, to really kind of intentionally invest and disciple our daughter at her age. Uh, one thing that we do is we want to take ordinary moments and make them extraordinary. Uh, and so what that looks like, even like two days ago, she does this thing when we're putting her to bed. It's a stall tactic. It's great. She's so good at it. She just starts listing. She says, I have a question. I have a question. And we're like, what's your question? Every night she says a bunch of people that she knows. So she's like, Uncle Chad goes night-night, Auntie Alyssa goes night-night, Mommy goes night-night, Zoe goes night-night. It just starts listing off people that she knows and saying they're going night It's not even a question. And so, but what we've done is Jenny and I have kind of shifted that and said, okay, so if she's going to list off people we know, why don't we say, hey, let's pray for them. And so using it as, okay, we're going to pray for Uncle Chad. We're going to pray for Auntie Alyssa. We're going to pray for our dog, Zoe. Like, we're going to pray for these, these people and, and animals that she lists off. And so, taking ordinary moments and making them extraordinary and being intentional in that. Uh, and the other thing uh, that we've done a lot of is we want to have truth statements that she can go back to. Uh, so one of the ones that we've been using recently is I'm going to do what's right over what I want because that's been a battle that we've been fighting. And so she'll repeat that statement. Uh, and oftentimes that'll diffuse 
um, the tantrum or whatever's going on because it gives her something that she knows that will kind of anchor her to truth. Um, they can kind of bring her back and then she can seek forgiveness and all that other stuff. And so we've been doing a lot of truth statements in our home uh, and it's, it's been, it's been yeah. incredible. It's yeah. been cool. That's great. Chad, what about you? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things and um, what's so funny is Aiden knows it's coming. Uh, like, especially it was our drives to school and it was our drives from school uh, when that was a thing, when school existed. Oh, back then. Yeah, way back then. In the olden times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one of the biggest things was, especially at the end of the day, hey, tell me how your day was. And he would just lose his mind because he's like, ah, oh, I do the same thing every day. It's not new. But then once we started talking through it, he would recognize, oh, well, this happened. And so once, again, kind of along those lines, making the ordinary moments extraordinary, hey, what does it look like for us in that moment? What does it look like for you to look like Jesus? And so when things came up that weren't great or, hey, I got in a fight with this or, man, I really wish I could do this like this person or this or that. Hey, what does it look like for us to be Jesus in that moment? And talking through that stuff, because, I mean, it's captive audience, you know, and I, we've only got a 10 minute drive home, maybe. But there's tons of time sitting in that line and not wasting the time that we do have. Uh, and, and I think that was a, a really big, very, very important thing for me. And then also modeling the kind of behavior for, for me. So when I ask forgiveness for, from him in situations and then turning that kind of thing around, hey, what does it look like for you to do that at school? What does it look like for you to do that with your friends? What does it look like for you to model that for other people? Uh, and again, giving him that anchor point of, I'm not just doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. I do think it's the right thing to do, but this is what Jesus is calling dad to do. And I think that that's what Jesus is calling you to do as well. Mm, that's good. Yeah, when I, when I grew up, uh, a lot of the emphasis as far as relationship with God was more about personal relationship. And that's not bad at all. You know, it, you know, you know, like a tree planted by the rivers of waters kind of thing. You know, as uh, long as I got Jesus, I, I don't need nobody else. It's a song we even used to sing. And so I grew up like dealing with my own personal relationship with God where I was deep and tall, but I didn't understand the breadth and scope that was called of me uh, as a disciple of Christ. And so I didn't get that full understanding until I was like 40, 41 years old. And so my daughters have been very fortunately blessed that they get that from me now. That, yes, I want you to follow Christ and develop your own personal relationship, but I also want you to know that it goes beyond you and it goes out to your friends and your family members and you live your life publicly uh, as a testament of who God is in your life. And so it's really cool for me when I hear my daughters on the phone or on their uh, whatever social media platforms talking to their friends about godly things. When they go through struggles, hey, I got to go meet with such and such and pray with them. I got to do this. And it's, so it's outside of the household. And so they understand that it's a relationship with God and with others. And that's been the biggest thing, I think, for as intentional discipleship that I could help my girls understand that, yes, you need to have a relationship with God because the first part of our definition of a disciple is follow Christ. And then be changed by Christ and committed to his mission. They get that early. And so I love the fact that they understand it now. And then whenever God blesses us with grandchildren, I'm 100% confident 
that they're going to start that process early on. So this reproducible process yeah. of making disciples who love and live like Jesus uh, is what I've been intentional with doing with these girls for the last eight, nine years. Awesome. And it's been a huge blessing. And I see the results of that labor. Yeah. Yeah, it is super fun to watch Bree and Isaiah pour in invest to Willow and Woven and having them memorize scripture and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's special. About for you, man. Yeah, I think for me, um, my, one of my favorite questions is, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And I'm a big application guy. Uh, I came to know the Lord and be born again because I needed to hear how much of a sinner I was and needed a Savior. But I also didn't own a Bible until I was 28. And so I needed to hear and understand how to apply the Word and so, just like Derek, though, I didn't, I didn't really understand discipling as much uh, early on uh, with my kids. And so, I believe more in what's caught, not necessarily what's taught, if I'm not living it out myself. And so, I think um, most of my effectiveness, uh, thanks to God, has been my trans transformation uh, and them watching, is he really, does he really believe this stuff? Is he really living it out day to day? And so uh, that's been, I think, my biggest effect on my kids is having them watch me actually live it out. And, and they understand that that's real. And so uh, I think that's, the, that's what I, advice I would have for younger dads is that do your kids really see that you believe this stuff? and are living it out. Do you really believe Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life? How are you living out? Doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm not perfect. You can ask Monica or my kids. But at the same time, I have tried to live it out. And yeah. so I think that's the biggest effect I've been able to have. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Go, no, go for it. Piggyback on that. I, I, you, you were going to affirm he's say, not perfect? Said, yeah, you were, that you were affirming that's exactly that? Where, yeah. That's exactly yeah. where I was that's going. Good. I know him well. Uh, but no, that's what I was saying in terms of, I say it a lot that my marriage, and I can, I can also apply it to my, my, my fathering and my parenting, it represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that, when I say it represents the gospel, everything that comes with it, is, the gospel is Christ crucified and risen. And the gospel, again, is grace and mercy and reconciliation. All of those things that, that we as Christians aspire to do has to take place in our house. And so when they see me fall, and then I go to God and ask for forgiveness and repentance. And, and I believe that he gives it to me and I go and sin no more. They see that. And when they have issues where they, uh, my daughters uh, get sideways with one another, how do we quickly reconcile? You know, how do we give grace and how do we give mercy throughout our lives? And so that is huge in terms of living our lives like the gospel teaches us to do it. And that's one of the biggest things, again, I want to put in front of my daughters that I'm not perfect by any stretch, but I am striving to be like I see Jesus be. And I want that for them. And again, it's very evident uh, in my life. I'm really blessed, man. I'm super proud of my daughters. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. I think, uh, yeah, just building off of that, there's just this, this really cool piece for me. There's, there's a burden of, like, where we step, our children are going to follow. And so with that burden in mind, uh, I don't want to be the kind of parent that doesn't ask the questions and find the answers before my child. Like, I've seen it happen, and I've even experienced this, where if I asked what baptism was as a child, I wouldn't have gotten an answer. And so that would have taught me to just not ask the question. And I want to be the type of parent that is seeking truth in that personal relationship with God 
and building that foundation so that when my child is starting to figure out what firm foundation looks like, they can look at mine and base it off of that. Uh, but that starts with me seeking truth and understanding and diving into that and not being afraid of feeling silly because it's a simple question. Like most, most theological questions aren't simple. Even like I, I remember when I was early on, I was asked what forgiveness was and I couldn't figure out how to answer it. Um, and it's a simple question, but it's not an easy answer. Um, and so for me, that personal relationship, if they're going to follow us and they're going to follow our steps in discipleship and imitate us, I have to be willing to, to build that foundation for myself. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, everything you guys have shared has been great. And I think the, the biggest piece is us being intentional, right? We talk about that in discipleship. You've got to be an intentional leader, just like you have to be at home, just the way that you are a husband to your wife. Um, that gives a ton of security or lack thereof with our kids. Um, being able to be intentional with our kids, asking them questions, whether you're taking them to school on the way home from school would be funny. Our kids would always see somebody in the, uh, you know, in a car traveling or maybe in a store and kids have their headphones in and the parent and the child aren't talking at all. And, and they just looked, you know, they were like, dad, you would never allow us to do that. And I'm like, you're right. I said, we're going to talk. We're going to have conversation. We're going to get to spend time with one another because what it does is it communicates a disconnect between the two. And the amount of discipling conversations that we've had in vehicles and after sporting events and all that kind of stuff, I mean, is incredible. And so I think the, the biggest piece is for us as dads to be engaged. Like we can't, like we go to work, we're super engaged. And then we check out, a lot of dads check out as soon as they come home, which is when we've got to really be engaged. And I think just really wanting to know them, know their hearts, shepherd their heart, not just try to correct their behavior, but really shepherd their hearts towards Jesus. And I think as, as we stay intentional, uh, we're not going to do it perfectly, ask other people. But here's, here's the part I love about our discipleship process. And we talk about it being reproducible. If you're in a small group and they story a passage, just take the same story and go home and do it with your kids. Like that was the beauty of like Bree being in high school, the boys, the two boys in the middle were in middle school and then Seth was in elementary. I could, pass, I could story that passage at home with them and every single one of them could engage wherever they were spiritually uh, to be able to connect and just ask them some questions. And I think the other part is that we've got a great resource with our children's ministry as well as our student ministry and being able to them providing uh, parenting tools to help disciple our kids. So use that. I was talking to a guy this past week and he was just like, I think he's, he's one of his kids was seven. And, and, and so we were talking about what does it look like? And I said, part of it is just being intentional in the conversations. Use the tools that we've provided for you through our kids ministry. And to be able to have these conversations with your kids, continuing to just lay these, these building blocks, right? helping them see little things like, hey, make sure you open the door for your mom and your sister. Hey, make sure that you, you know, before you eat, you're gonna let them go for, you know, you're, why do we serve? Why is servanthood such a value in our family? And having those, they can get that kind of stuff. Like you're gonna wait because we're gonna honor them first or no, it's Mr. and Mitten, you don't say their first name. Just really being able to understand respect and honor. Why? Because that's what Christ has called us to. And so, um, Man, I wish we had more time. We've got a lot more stuff to, to discuss, but I figured it would, it would not be a true Father's Day without what I love so dearly, dad jokes. Ooh. 
And so uh, I'm not sure if I want Derek to go based on oh, some, actually really good. Based no, on no, some no, of the no, ones no. that he shared. Derek, I'll let you go, Chad. Derek, no, 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 no. Derek, you had some great ones. Yeah, you won't hear those. <laughs> <laughs> not here. So, so we got limited time. Uh, so Terry, as you mentioned so eloquently earlier, since you're the oldest, uh, oh, why, don't you, why don't you uh, share your dad joke yes, first? This joke would not apply to you, Bob. So my kids asked me the other day, Dad, did you get a haircut? And I said, no, I got them all cut. Ah. But it's... Oh, man, yeah. It doesn't bad. apply to you, Bob. It doesn't. Yeah, that was Actually, painful. it mostly applies to him. Mostly. Like, all you right. got it all cut. Josh, what do you got? All right, Bob. Uh, I've got one for you, Terry, and Derek's age group. Just trying to, trying to bridge the gap. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> hey. I just like shady. hearing a different age group. That's so funny. can you hear it? Do you need to turn your hearing in? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Bob, why didn't the dinosaur cross the road? No idea. Because he's dead. Thanks for bringing it up. That's more, that's more of an anti-joke. Yeah. That's all I got. But, I mean, yeah. Me? I sure. think so. Ah, okay. Well, no, seriously, since this COVID thing, everybody's been kind of staying home, and I have too, so I've been doing a lot of online shopping. And so I just went to Amazon, and I bought a chicken and an egg. I'll let you know. Nice. I actually like that one. one? I, I really first. do like yeah, that one. That was actually good. good. I like it. I still was hoping for the there. elephant and rhino one, but anyway. Yeah, hey, I know. Something about that. Well, so I, I've, got, I've kind of got two, so. You've got two? Hey, you know what? Okay. I get to run All right, we're show. going again. All right, I, I got another. I get to run this show. I, well, Sue, Sue asked me to go to HEB to pick up six Sprite, and by the time I got home, she was really upset with me. You know why? Because I picked seven up. Hmm. Six Sprite. Oh, we, we got seven. it, Bob. Thanks. That was awesome. Thanks for your time. I love that one. That was That's awesome. pretty good. I like it. Thank you. Here's the thing, though. It's tough for people to actually know when a joke becomes a dad joke. I mean, that's, that's one of the tough things. So, I mean, do you guys, do any of you know, how can you tell when a normal joke becomes a dad joke? When, when it's a bad joke. Yeah. No, no, no. When it becomes apparent. That's when you know. Ah, yes. Yeah, I it's see. Become a Very dad good. Joke. Nice. Wah, wah. Well, do you know why some couples like to work out together? No. Dang it! I just blew no! it. Classic Bob. The gym together because they're hoping the relationship works out. Nope. See, ah, I see. I, that, honestly, but, that's the most dad thing that, you could have done. Yeah, that's, it couldn't be more apparent than that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, I got right. another. I just one. failed. Quick, you got another one? All yeah. Right. Oh yes, so, please. So, what did the buffalo? Oh, oh no. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes. It's just all your animal jokes. I, what, all right, if you're if you're below me, 18 years old, be tune off now. I just want to be clear. I'm not sure where this is going, but it's Derek at Sidelife. Please don't send. Yeah, the, Derek at SidelifeChurch.com. Yeah. That's right. So email. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off at school? I, I know it, but I don't. My son. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that wasn't bad. Wow. That wasn't bad. Yeah, that was. Did actually, you guys? That, that did could, you guys hear about the two antennas that got married? The wedding was kind of boring, but the reception was awesome. That's awesome. really yeah, oh, nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's two, so Terry, two antennas. 
That's what. That's Thanks. actually. That's, yeah, you should know that. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the rabbit ears. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chad, what you got, man? As we go, as we head out for today. Yeah, just a couple of things as we head out. So, number one, thank you guys for joining us today. We're super excited and thankful for that. Um, we had wow the submissions. We had a couple of winners though. Couple of winners, uh, Kevin Roden and uh, Stephen. You guys, Stephen Foster, dude, you guys are the winners. We'll be contacting you, letting you know how much barbecue you're gonna get. I just, I mean, you got to be friends with those guys. Yeah, that's the that's the way to go right now. Uh, the other thing is, is we want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys so much. We're all done for today. Please check us out again next week. We're going to resume uh, in our conversation, the gospel and race. But before you go, check out this grad video.